Welcome to another Meathead Monday edition of Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula. And today on the show, not very meatheady, uh, but my brother Raj had some objections to my general Grinchness on my Friday podcast in regards to my, well, both my movie takes and my extremely limited uh, acceptable Christmas playlist. So uh, I think we're going to start with the music first because that's kind of your wheelhouse. Um, but first of all, you seem to like Christmas music a lot, and I think it's mostly hot garbage. So I'm going to need you to explain where this strange, jolly, holly, jolly goodness comes from. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me back. I, I do need to clarify, were you saying I'm not very meat-heady, or our topic today is not very meat-heady? Which one's not going to make you cry? <laughs> <laughs> That's a trick question because because, because if I were a real man. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, no, I I love Christmas music, I love Christmas movies. At the office at Fruitful, I am known as Father Christmas because uh, despite my general, um, you know, business attitude for most of the year, when it gets to which mostly means, you know, try not to spend money. Uh, I'm, I'm basically the office dad. And, uh, but the, but one time a year, really once we get to about October, I, I start thinking about the Christmas party uh, and about getting gifts for the employees and bonuses and, and that kind of and, stuff. And making it and, rain. Yeah, I just, I I love Christmas. And I, I love celebrating it. I want to be like Scrooge at the end of the movie. And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, in terms of where it started, uh, at least the love of Christmas music um, you know, we, we did choir concerts when we were kids and yeah, those um, were the worst. <laughs> I like, awful. I, they, they were a lot of work and they probably were not the most endearing way to start a relationship with Christmas music. I will say, however, I learned a lot of verses to a lot of Christmas songs that to this day I can remember, and a lot of people. And then no one that no one cares about or asks you to sing ever again because other people don't know they exist, and That's nobody true. and nobody needs nobody needs sixteen verses of "Hark the Herald Angel Sing." Most people think that there's only three verses of "O Come All You Faithful," and I'm here to let you know there's seven. So there's like, there's you like, sing are typically one, six, and seven. And so you're missing two through five. Which are not that important. It's funny <laughs> that you brought that up because I think that might be now that you... Because I, I think I had blocked that out of my memory just doing those concerts because you had these excruciatingly long rehearsals for like a few days beforehand where you're there for just like hours just standing on these risers and whatever and then you have like the dress rehearsal when you're in your like cummerbund and tuxedo shirt and bow ties and whatever and <laughs> man i just i i was i don't know i was like nine i hated that 
I think you, yeah, I mean, you started younger than that. Uh, cause we all started in about second grade. Yeah. And, I think I started, I was like seven and then mom finally let me quit when I was like 11, when I started playing baseball. Yeah. I, I saw a video of one of the Christmas concerts the other day and you were adorable. Uh, well, good to see nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we, we did the Christmas concerts as kids in, in, in the choir. And I should clarify, too, uh, these are competition-level choirs. We're not talking your local community choir. Yeah, we uh, weren't like in like a church choir. Like you had to try out and like we went to competitions and stuff. Like they were – we sang at like large venues. Like it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I'm tr- I was trying to remember how many shows we did. I know it was at least four, but it, it could have been well north of that. Uh, every year, we filled one of the biggest churches in Omaha, sold out every every performance every year. And I thought it was like seven. You could be right. I mean, it was it was certain because I thought it was I thought it was like three nights, or it was like it was it was like two performances a night, and then there was like a Saturday or a Sunday where it was one of them had three. I I honestly can't remember because we just spent so much time at that church. The, yeah, the, it's hard yeah. to separate like the rehearsals where it felt like a performance versus the actual performances. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of our childhood was it was or at least feels like it was spent in in that church. But um but yeah, so from there I uh I worked in churches for a while doing music there and I did establish a no Christmas music before Thanksgiving policy to help maintain my love for Christmas music, and uh, and, and that worked well. I've kind of let that slip a little bit since I'm I don't work at churches anymore, and so I actually get to enjoy the music as it's not a part of my occupation anymore. Sure. And um, and so usually for us now it's about the time that the tree goes up. And uh, to further poke the bear of your grinchiness here, um, we, we are a family that will put up the tree before Thanksgiving on occasion. About two weeks before Thanksgiving is, is the earliest we've ever gone. Yeah, I am pretty sure that as soon as Natasha and I move into our house, it's basically going to be the day after Thanksgiving. Which is, or the day after Halloween, actually. I think November 1st runs or rolls around and I'm in trouble. But um, <laughs> because much like you, she uh, she enjoys all of the Christmas spirity things. We were actually watching uh, When the Grinch Stole Christmas last night mm-hmm. or two nights ago. And she's Which like, version? Cause Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I don't care for it that much, but. Um, that I'm as I'm sure you're shocked by, but well, it's the she, worst of the three versions in basi- defense. <laughs> she basically was like, "You're low key kind of the Grinch," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, and, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, you don't really like Christmas things, and you basically just want to stay home and hang out with your dog." And I was like, "Well, <laughs> not wrong." Let's be honest her adding the words low key in there are just a sign that she loves you because you <laughs> might be more than low key the grid. What? <laughs> I'm not like actively trying to ruin other people's Christmases. 
No, you, in fairness, you try to ruin holidays of every stripe, including Thanksgiving and the food and... Uh, no, I try and improve Thanksgiving by making people realize they don't have to eat garbage food for Thanksgiving. And whatever Ewok holiday celebrates the fulfillment of the prophecy of C3CPO coming. <laughs> coming. <laughs> you're lucky you're not here. I would strike you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, well, no, I feel like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I... I don't mind the day itself. I just all the other stuff like I I just don't think Christmas music is that good. I don't think Christmas movies are that good for the most part. I like Elf. Elf's a good yeah. movie. Elf is a, a really uh, good movie. The Santa Claus holds up. I like the Santa Claus. Yep. Yep. Um That's about it. You know one that that gets hardly any attention that I really enjoy is The Family Man. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah, it's that's I don't know. It's a Nicolas Cage vehicle, uh, which gets some people. And then the other thing that get, probably gets you is it's basically a retelling of "It's a Wonderful Life," but it's it's kind of a modernized version of that. And yeah, I think they did incredibly well. It's less depressing than "It's a Wonderful Life" because you know it's not based on like, "Hey, I'm about to jump off this bridge on Christmas." Sorry, family. <laughs> um, so that helps, but. I don't know. It's a, it's okay. I just, I get that it's around Christmas, but I just don't view it as a Christmas movie for some reason. I don't know. Like it, like See, it just doesn't strike me as a Christmas movie. It probably is, but like it just oh, doesn't. It's, it's definitely a Christmas movie. I feel like you're talking about it. It's a Wonderful Life or Family Man. Family Man. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. A Christmas I feel like you movie. could tell that story at any point, though. That's true, but that's that's probably true of almost any Christmas movie, except for, not Elf uh, <laughs> except or the, the Santa Nativity Claus story. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can't I tell guess. the you can't tell Elf or Santa Claus outside of. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is probably similar too, and there's a lot of It's a Wonderful Life that is not around Christmas. Yeah, I saw an argument the other day that that It's a Wonderful Life is not a, a Christmas movie at all. Um, I think that that really strongly depends on on what your definition of a Christmas movie is. And um, I think proximity to Christmas is, I mean, literally one of the the defining characteristics of a Christmas movie. I think there's others that include, um, you know, some sort of personal um, transformation and the ability to take stock of what really matters. Uh, See, that's not a Christmas movie though. That's just like a that's just like a person movie. It, to me, a Christmas movie, Christmas has to be central to the plot of the movie. Well, I would argue that uh, that the way in which Christmas is central to those types of movies is that uh, Christmas kind of encapsulates the the entire year in some ways. It's it's a it's a strong focal point. Of, of reflection and uh, you know I mean for people in business if you're not having a good year um, it really shows up at Christmas and your ability to give bonuses to your employees or to um, you know to to give your gi- family gifts and uh, and it is a very stressful time of year sometimes for people if they're not doing well if they are doing well it's a chance to uh, show that they uh, are, you know, can be generous to others and think about others besides themselves and not just, 
you know, pad their own pocketbook or, or buy things for themselves. And, uh, you know, it's the, some of the lessons of Christmas, including, um, you know, some of the things that we take directly from the you know, sort of biblical Christmas story uh, are, are about selflessness. And it's about it being better to give than to receive. And really through whatever route someone gets uh, there, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a Wonderful Life and Family Man are both kind of about this idea that, um, you know, these men lose sight of why they're there. And, and, and in thinking that um, their value as a, a person is tied to their economic output and, uh, you know, and, and instead forgetting about the, the people in their lives that depend on them. And, uh, and when they get out of their own head of what they think their accomplishments should be and that that defines their value as a person, they they begin to see the you know the amount of love that they give and share with their family are uh, you know are really what defines more of their value as a person and uh, and Christmas is the catalyst for it so I, I would argue that it it is central to those movies. Yeah, I don't for the like a Family Man though I, I it's been years since I've seen it but I feel like it was more of a coincidence that it happened around Christmas more than like, unless Don Cheadle's character or whatever was supposed to be like, I'm sure he's supposed to be like an angel or something, but the angel could have, you know, gone to the liquor store with him at any time. Like it's not, it didn't have to be at Christmas. It was like a coincidental, but I think they sell it as a, they sell it around Christmas because people are more willing to buy crappy movies when it's a it's Christmas themed. <laughs> I would not say crappy movies. I would say inspirational movies. I would um, say crappy movies <laughs> because they're not all inspirational. Like a Christmas story is a crappy movie. Oh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. That's that people um, only buy because of nostalgia and Christmas and like, yeah, that'll work. All right, cool. I think a Christmas story and, and I will probably be, uh, you know, drawn and quartered in some circles for this, but um, I, I, I don't, we, since we didn't grow up with Christmas vacation, I don't understand it as as much as other people like love that movie. Um, Christmas was, story and Christmas uh, vacation aren't related. No, I know, but I'm saying like in my mind, those are movies that are related as as people. Oh, the people are so nostalgic about them, but if you enter them from a perspective of somebody who didn't grow up with them it's it's kind of yeah they're like purely uh, at least a christmas story is purely nostalgic based and you don't like pay attention that it just sucks as a movie yeah there's some movies that you know it's like people watch you watch the movie um like i I remember showing Lindsay star wars for the first time and i just feel like oh did you see that you know and and that can be a little annoying i know for sure but uh, I feel like that was kind of my experience with with uh, uh, Christmas Vacation, and uh, and it's just sort of like, why aren't you laughing harder? And it's like, I, I don't know, like it's it's fine because it's not funny. Um, anyway, uh, let's. I wanted to get to Christmas music. We got a little sidetracked there, yeah, uh, which did. is fine. But I wanted to, and we can get back more to movies later if we want to, but I wanted to get back to just, so you were kind of talking about how, like, choir and church got you into some of the Christmas music. 
but those are basically the exact same things that made me like, oh, this Christmas music kind of blows. Well, then the next thing that uh, kind of became a tradition for me was uh, I started making a Christmas playlist every year, and I tried to find the most different kind of Christmas music that I possibly could. Um, and and you you remember because you were here for this is, is that uh, it started when we would go to Thanksgiving at Grandma Jackie's house in Iowa, and then uh, Mom always wanted to listen to Christmas music on the way back home. And uh, I did not want to listen to her uh, old people terrible <laughs> Christmas music. And, her, her Milton Berle. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> uh, I don't think. I don't know. You know what it was? I don't Bro, even I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> Milton's old. I don't even know what a Milton Berle is. Um, <laughs> was he like a really there, old guy? He or might be like an idiot? actor. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, maybe. Burl Ives is who I'm thinking. Who's the other one? Who's the other really, um, the other really famous Bing one? Crosby. Bing Crosby. I don't know why I always want to call him Milton. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem was she not only wanted to listen to those, but she also wanted to listen to like the crappy Christian contemporary pop version of, of Christmas songs. Yeah. So like yeah. you're like Amy Grant's and like Michael W. Smith's and Stephen Curtis Chapman's, which well, that's just I mean, like a hard pass always. Okay, Amy Grant does not exactly belong in that category because she's got some uh, really good Christmas songs. But the problem is, is that for a drive home uh, uh, after Thanksgiving. Amy Grant is the most sleepy music that you could possibly listen to. And I, I actually think that's unsafe to drive at night while listening to Amy Grant. Uh, I think it's unsafe to ever listen to contemporary Christian pop music because you're at a giant risk to just put the car in the ditch regardless of your sleep level. <laughs> um but anyway, so I, the tradition started with making CDs, the, the CDs, because that's the age that I am. Uh, that were, hey, at least they weren't cassettes. Yeah, they were. They were actually. I think if I remember, it's like Christmas music your mom will hate or something like that. Um, and yeah, in fact, I even remember taking my laptop to Grandma Jackie's one time uh, to to actually burn the CD while I was there and. Uh, I remember that there was some Trans-Siberian Orchestra on there, which I'm not as hot on anymore. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Eat World was on that. They had some Christmas music and, uh, you know, just some other things that were. Don't forget about Zat You Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Louis Armstrong, Zat You Santa Claus. That one is still full on in my Christmas rotation. It's one uh, of the cause... five. It's one of the five to prove Christmas songs. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Uh, he also has quite a few good other uh, Christmas songs, including uh, Christmas in New Orleans, uh, Christmas Night in Harlem, um, Cool Yule. Uh, you, you probably would enjoy all of his, his Christmas songs because he's just got this great, iconic voice. And, and here's, uh, you know, so kind of getting into one of my biggest criterias, the criteria for Christmas music is that the artist has to make the song their own. Now, I will say that that's a, that is somewhat of a narrow... Uh, it sounds really broad, but it's, it's actually somewhat of a narrow um, constraint because 
you have to, in my opinion, you have to like make the song um, distinct in style. But if you go too far in, uh, I really hate it when artists, uh, you know, will will draw out like silent night, you know, or whatever, and they just you know, they they draw everything out can make it so much moodier and more emotional and you know it's like no people want to sing along to these songs and uh, if you go too far off the reservation you need to just like it has to be um a, such a new take on the song that people want to sing the new version as well and if you can't if you're anywhere in the middle it's kind of uh, the third rail it's 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 bad news you know um, what yeah. i think part of my issue with christmas music is is and it's also ironically part of my issue with like contemporary Christian music that you hear on like the radio or that a lot of like contemporary uh services will play mm-hmm. is I feel very strongly that a lot of them are just trying to emotionally manipulate you, and that mm-hmm. is like one of the first things that will just get me to like kick you in the pants and get out of my life yeah. is like a song or a movie that I feel like is just like deliberately emotionally manipulative. And that's the point of it. I feel like yeah. the point of a lot of them, like, cause listen, a lot of things are like, okay, there's like a greater plot. And like in this one spot, they kind of try and manipulate your emotions a little bit. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But when like the point of the vehicle feels like it's to emotionally manipulate you like that freaking uh, Christmas shoes song or whatever, <laughs> or yeah, were you at the uh, Were you at the service? The I think it was like a midnight service we went to. I don't know if you were there or not. The so one I know what you're talking about. Where's the line for Jesus? <laughs> so there's this for those of you that are blissfully unaware of this abomination of a song. There was a song where this little boy is like talking to his mommy, and there's this big line for Santa Claus. And he turns to her and goes, where's the line for Jesus? And I hated it so much. I almost took my little candle that I was holding and just set the whole place on fire. But I didn't (laughs) because I'm an adult and I don't do that. Yeah, that was it was offensively cheesy, uh, manipulative, guilt tripping. Um, yeah, that, that was, it's like, it was like a Jesus juke in a Christmas song. Yeah. It it was bad enough that we both remember it and it's been years since since we saw that. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think that's where a lot of my hatred for Christmas music comes from. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I think the best, uh, the best Christmas music um, should, should you know let the message stand on its own uh, and it should be the background for uh, celebrating I think that's actually one of the reasons I, I really like Christmas music is that um, it's it's kind of the only thing in our year that's got uh, that's got specific music dedicated to an entire season and so especially if you keep it a little bit special by only playing it in, you know, like November, December, then it, it allows you to anticipate something good. And I, I'm somebody who's always enjoyed kind of savoring the moment. And 
and to savor a, a good moment, you have to you have to have some level of anticipation. You know, kind of in the same way that we're looking forward to seeing Star Wars Episode Nine, and we've we've been, you know, like working our way towards it. And um, and if it's amazing, it's going to be even more amazing because we've been watching all the movies heading up to it. And uh, if it's, it's disappointing, terrible, it's going to be so terrible. <laughs> it's going to be devastating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably just going to go back and delete all the Star Wars podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so I think that that's, that's something that Christmas music in that way actually provides a value to to people because it helps them uh like i said with with the movies it helps them kind of reorient take stock it helps them uh, you know lead up to um you know if, if we're honest christmas itself outside the morning um and depending on your family's traditions but outside the morning most of us usually end up like taking a nap some we used to go see a movie on the christmas afternoon um, yeah, you know, but now of... everybody now everybody does that, so we can't even do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. bunch of jerks stole our idea. <laughs> Although seriously, you know, when ne- we first started going, no one was there. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Although honestly, it's possible that Netflix and that kind of stuff has has replaced that. Now I, I haven't tried, but in a, in, a, in quite a few years. Uh, but that all to say, a, a lot of what I, my best memories of Christmas are, are actually of Christmas Eve, and so it's like from really sundown Christmas Eve through Christmas morning. And that that's kind of more Christmas to me than necessarily Christmas day. Um, in fact, I, I feel like I remember, I recall quite a few, um, I wouldn't call them arguments, but perhaps tense moments of, you know, we've maybe been all hanging out for a few too many days and, um, you know, got up early because too excited about presents and, and uh, end up squabbling over something that's that's stupid, um, and I feel like I've, I remember quite a few of those. And maybe they were around what movie to go to or whatever, uh, but uh, but none of that really ever happened on Christmas Eve. And so for me, it's kind of that that time. But getting but anticipating up to those moments and treasuring those moments every year um, for me make Christmas music special. It makes it something that helps me get in the season. So what are some of the Christmas songs or Christmas artists that you like that are not deliberately trying to emotionally manipulate you, but rather kind of get you in a mood to celebrate? Yeah. Um, Sufjan Stevens had a great Christmas album. It's it's been several years now, probably, gosh, 10 or or more years since that came out. And that's actually something that I like about Christmas music, too, is that um, if you if you make a good collection of it, it grows over time, and so uh, it's kind of like adding photos to a photo album, uh, as opposed to kind of a lot of other music. You're looking for new constantly, you know, like what what you hear on the radio, not Christmas music, just regular music. You know, it has to turn over, or you get bored with it, but. Uh, because you limit it to that time of year, uh, you know, just adding little pieces to it uh, over years and years and years, then you can really pick the best of what you like. But anyway, that, that to say, Sufjan, a uh, great album. Uh, Christmas Lights by Coldplay is one of my favorite Ooh, uh, songs. That's one of the approved five songs. Is it? That's yeah. 
I mean, I totally listened, and I know that already. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, the uh, Echo Smith has a really cool version of "I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day." Uh, Pedro the Lion has uh, a great version of that song as well. His is very um, kind of uh, moody and and much much different. And um, and sometimes some years. Some years I'm I'm in for more of a reflective Christmas and and want kind of some of that kind of slower um, yeah more mellow stuff. But then other years I want to go full uh, Brian McKnight singing. It's the most wonderful time of the year, uh, <laughs> you know. And and like I said, I you know the artist really needs to bring their take to these. One of my favorites being. Um, the man who's referred to as the Jewish Elvis, uh, Neil Diamond, has a Christmas album. And why? I don't know. Uh, but if you do not feel pumped up by Neil Diamond's version of Joy to the World, you are dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> because Which apparently I might be, because apparently I might be the Grinch. Well, no, but you, I, you know, you just need to listen to that song, and it, it will, it will make your heart grow three sizes. Um, you know, the, the man who gave us "Sweet Caroline," and uh, bum, bum, bum. yeah, doesn't he also have a song? I'm forever in blue jeans. Is that a song of his? Um, I'll be honest, my Neil Diamond knowledge stops at "Sweet Caroline," <laughs> and that's fine, but. If the man who can rouse an entire baseball stadium to go bump, 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 uh, he, he, he can get you there on Joy of the World. So, sidebar real quick. I have to just tell this story. Um, not, it's a holiday time related-ish, but it's more Neil Diamond related. So, there was a, back in 2013 on New Year's Eve... Uh, Creighton was playing its very first game at, in the Big East Conference. Uh, and so they were playing Marquette. It was like a, I think it was a 9.30 tip-off, so it was a really late start. So people were like pretty lubricated already at that point. And there was a timeout during the game, and Creighton's beating Marquette by 10 mostly the whole game. And Marquette was supposed to be the best team in the league that year. And anyway, so there, no, Creighton's winning. Everybody's drunk. It's New Year's Eve. It's like probably 11 o'clock at this point, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night by the time this happens. And during one of the timeouts, the uh, PA system starts playing Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. And so obviously everybody sings along and all that good stuff. Well, their rules are during a basketball game when play resumes you have to stop playing the music at least in college and it was the most amazing thing because these 15,000 drunk people just kept singing full like full-throated sweet caroline after the music stopped playing and it was so it was literally just a chorus of 15,000 people swinging sweet caroline to the point where it distracted and confused Marquette so much that they turned the ball over and Creighton ran down and got a layup on the other end of the floor. So it went from Sweet Caroline with the music 
to Sweet Caroline Acapella with 15,000 people to just like this enormous cheer. And it was probably one of the most like goosebump moments I've ever had in my life. It was incredible. (laughs) And that man can also bring you your next Christmas tune is all I'm saying. If 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 you weren't there, which you probably weren't because there was only like 15,000 people there, but or probably like 18,000 people there. You can look it up on YouTube. Just go, uh, just YouTube Sweet Caroline Creighton, and it should pop up. It's one of the you won't get the full dose of it, but it was one of the cooler sports moments I've ever been a part of. Just and it was random, but anyway, nice. um, I love it. I, I also love that even though you kind of poo pooed the idea that a Christmas adjacent movie uh, could be a Christmas movie, you totally just had an endearing memory about a around the Christmas season and you decided to tell that on a holiday themed podcast, which means that I think you're warming a little bit to the idea of, of adjacency being uh, part of the value of those, those moments. No, it's cause you brought up Neil diamond and his ability to like get you pumped up. And it reminded me of that instantly. All right. Grinch. It just uh, happened to be on new year's Eve. <laughs> um, some of my other go-to's, are, so I, I do enjoy a deep bench of classic Christmas songs. And uh, I do I, I agree with you that there's been too much added to Christmas songs. There, there's people who should not have released Christmas albums that did. But uh, some of the classics like Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, and, uh, and, one, and probably my personal favorite from that era, Nat King Cole. Um, Nat King Cole and Louis Armstrong. Uh, are are two of my favorite artists of of that like really classic Christmas music. I didn't we didn't grow up as much with Louis Armstrong stuff, but I, I like I said I just put it on the playlist to mostly annoy mom, and then I, I ended up falling <laughs> in love with it, and and now I kind of hear it everywhere. Um, in fact, there's even an episode of that show House that used um, uh, I can't remember which of his, his songs they used. I think Cool Yule maybe. Um, and, uh, but yes, so the, those guys always have a level of rotation on, on my playlist this year. It's being Crosby and white Christmas because my kids have gotten into the movie white Christmas, which I, I had never really seen and, and still am a little baffled by, but, uh, but they love the, the musicals and uh, is, the musical moments. Is that the, uh, is that the. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Is that that? Is that that song? If I say I'm not sure, will you keep singing it? (laughs) Just like the ones I used to know. Yes. I'm pretty sure if I sing anymore, I'm going to have to pay royalties. So we're going to stop there. (laughs) You may already owe, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think you're allowed to sing. You're not allowed to play it, but I think you're allowed to sing it a cappella. Well, let's go then. Uh, uh, speaking of, those are all the words I know, I think. Speaking of a cappella, pentatonics have great Christmas music. Uh, I'm not as crazy about the. Um, a lot of people like Straight No Chaser. I think pentatonics does much more interesting a cappella versions, though there, there's a few Straight No Chaser songs. Um, now I will say this is going to be a hot take get ready for this uh, because uh, you're going to get the hate mail for this 
I think Michael Bublé's Christmas music is overrated. Uh, <laughs> not only that, um, we uh, so I, the first time I ever saw, saw Michael Bublé was on on Letterman, and he was still in college, and um, and he just looked like a guy who had been told too many times in his life that he was attractive, and he's got he a just, very punchable face. um but and then a few years ago he uh appeared on a christmas special with jennifer hudson and he was pretty clearly inebriated and could not stop looking at her chest um and it was very awkward and uh, so yeah i'm out on the michael buble like if you want sinatra go for the original thing you don't need the sinatra fake 2.0 you know preppy ivy league kid you don't need knockoff sinatra yeah, exactly. I, we're we're going to get hate mail for this if uh, yeah, if you have a large female base, which you may not. Um, but I don't. So, yeah, I don't think the uh, I don't think the podcast lends itself uh, lends itself to female listenership. But I know I do have a few out there that are loyal, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so, ladies, go ahead and send the hate mail about your your love to him, people. not to me. I I didn't say it. Although I think he. <laughs> Like I said, I would punch him in the face. He got a very punchable face. He looks like he should play. He looks like he should play point guard for Duke. That's the kind of punchable face he has. <laughs> kind of the same way that Josh Groban totally looks like he belongs in uh, Andy Bernard's family on The Office. It's like, oh yeah, I could see that. Um, and uh, you know what turned me around on Josh Groban though is the like when he's playing like a. It was in the office when he's playing like a, a drunk and, and he's like been in the ship for like three days and he's like, he's like, where am I? What, what's happening? That's true. Somebody who can poke a little fun at themselves, it, it goes a long way. Also in Parks uh, and Rec where he's at the very end of the series where they're at the restaurant where they're eating sushi that was owned by famous people. And he's <laughs> like, um, can I get the uh, me mahi tuna (laughs) yeah i feel like there's a self-awareness there with josh groban that does not exist with michael buble no buble uh the best thing he's done is the commercial for bubbly the this the you know sparkling water um and that was that was funny him changing all the cans to buble instead of bubbly but But also he's like the sparkling water version of frank sinatra so this is true. This he's is like, true. he's he's like, he's like, uh, whisper of Frank Sinatra, just like it's like hint of coconut or whatever. <laughs> All the drink, none of the flavor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, again, one of my one of my things with Christmas songs is it's either got to be the classic, or it has to be a great take on. Uh, on a song, although I would also say that that uh, there are quite a few really amazing new Christmas songs, including as as I mentioned, uh, Cold Place, Christmas Lights, um, and then uh, there's there's also you know the the uh, the new uh, Grinch soundtrack is actually really good as well from the the Grinch movie that was released last year, um, and then. Uh, yeah, there's there's just there's so many great great Christmas songs. So here's 
here's what I think you should do. <laughs> is I think you should put together a playlist and then we'll post it on the Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula Facebook page and on Twitter uh-huh. and, and on Instagram. That's at R.A. Lula. Because... I mean, I'm not going to make a playlist because I've already given you the I've already given the five approved Christmas songs in my heart. Um, But I think people might be interested to hear some input from someone with a slightly broader uh, experience of of Christmas music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I do make a playlist every year. I I have uh, not quite got 2019s done yet, but I could I could include some favorites from previous years. Yeah, add add some of your add some of the like classic, not like classic, but like some of your playlist classics. Yeah, some of the all time greats. Andrea Day, uh, who had that song "Rise Up," that got pretty famous a few years ago. She did some Christmas songs, and man, her take of "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen" is it's really fantastic. Um, Where do you land on the? Like Mannheim Steamroller, Trans Siberian Orchestra, part of it all because they're about as famous as you get for mostly just Christmas music. Yeah, so I used to like Trans Siberian, um, and I'm I'm pretty out on them now. Uh, what happened? I, well, uh, part of it is just my musical taste changed. Um, you know, so it's probably important to remember, like musically. That in the late 90s, we had to switch from classic, what, even using the word boy band is, is the wrong term because it, it conjures the wrong uh, thing in people's mind. But like cr- classic groups with harmony, uh, like boys to men who were really good musically and weren't some prepackaged former you know, Disney Mouseketeer thing, um, you know, were, were actual artists, you know, soul. Which is, you know, I, it's funny that you brought that up because the one that was actually a Mouseketeer turned out to be the one that was actually talented. It's true. It's true. But uh, that all to say, we, there went this switch from boys to men to like in sync and backstreet boys and, uh, and, uh, you know, 98 Degrees, all, all that kind of stuff. And then on the female pop side, it was Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, them. Um, and then, but, but music was, it was kind of split in half or maybe even a broader audience or even more audiences than that, uh, where it was uh, that kind of pop. There was, uh, you know, hip hop and R&B. And then there was this third thing called alternative and alternative ranged everything from Radiohead, uh you know in like uh, kind of obscure british pop to uh you know to uh, a lot heavier stuff i mean you start to get into um uh you know lincoln park and um uh, uh creed you know was was big at that time and uh, you know, kind of the people that followed after Nirvana kind of holding up the, you know, really alternative scene. And yes, I understand that, you know, people have strong opinions about those bands as well. But but the point being that there's a spectrum from, you know, kind of light, lighter British stuff to heavier, gritty American stuff. And uh, and so that's the world in which 
Trans-Siberian Orchestra entered. Is there's like, there's no Christmas music like <laughs> this. Um, now, that does beg the question of whether there should be Christmas music like this. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I'll admit it. I owned a Creed album. I, uh, you know, I, I liked the heavier stuff because it was a reaction to, like I said, the bubblegummy pop stuff that was just awful. And uh, and was just made to sell Teen Beat magazines to girls and uh, really left nothing out there for at least straight guys uh, to, uh, you know, to find charming about those that that music. And um, yeah, and so liking the stuff that was harder with the electric guitars was was just kind of the only option, uh, you know, for for anything else. It was literally alternative to the stuff that was playing on the radio. So I liked it at the time uh, as my musical taste grew into what I actually liked a lot more instead of just things that were not the things that I didn't like. Then um, I got more into U2 and Coldplay and um, you know, some of those a lot more um, what I would consider to be truly alternative bands instead of things that were veering off into like light, hard rock. Um, and I think that's the uncomfortable place that that Trans-Siberian Orchestra f- fits into. I remember, uh, I remember seeing a, a documentary about, uh, I think it was Limp Biscuit that was cre- basically created by the people behind the music industry because they found that Insane Clown Posse was incredibly popular, but but not, uh, you know, they had a very devoted fan base, but they weren't palatable to parents. And so they, they basically created a light version of, of insane clown posse. <laughs> uh, and that was Limp biscuit. And then, uh, which by the way, is the exact reason why people hate Nickelback is because Nickelback is the light version of, or it's probably like the light, light version of, uh, you can maybe claim that that like Lincoln Park is a light version of of the biscuit and and that uh, Nickelback is sort of the light version of uh, of Lincoln Park. And it just got to a point where like the music that was the reaction was the underground, the alternative to the system had been so commoditized that by the end of it, we got to look at this photograph. Uh, and it was like, get out. Just no, you get out. So. Um, anyway, that, that was kind of a deep dive into a little bit of like early 2000s musical history, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm out on, uh, yeah, on Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Mannheim, I don't think I've ever really understood it. Um, I think generationally, it seems like the boomers really like it. The synthesizer thing must do something for them that it doesn't doesn't do for me um i like vocals and there's not a ton of vocals in Mannheim, and uh, i also like real instruments and and i don't really have any need for uh you know for, for Mannheim. i will say chip davis is from omaha and he's been very supportive of the omaha arts community so i do appreciate that about him but um you won't find any Mannheim on my uh on my <laughs> playlist Fair enough. Well, is there uh, any other 
Christmas music takes that you feel like you have to get off your chest before we uh, wrap up here? Oh, uh, yeah, I got a couple. Uh, Santa Baby should not exist as a song. Um, it's gross and weird. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's a really pretty much all of the quote unquote like sexy Christmas songs. Just no, no. Like <laughs> Christmas. That's a that's a niche we didn't need. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a hard thing to pivot from Baby Jesus to sexy Christmas song, and uh, not an impossible pivot, but it's tough. <laughs> Yeah, and especially trying to make that play through appealing to uh, a, a rotund old old man um, by trying to give your body to him so he will he will bring you a car, um, just not good, just not good. And so, <laughs> so that we we can be all done with that song. I I do like to add a, a New Year's song at the end of my Christmas playlist. Just for, you know, let the, because that way it gives you an excuse to play the, the Christmas playlist a few more days between Christmas and New Year's and not really give up on the on the season just because the calendar, you know. What are some New Year's songs? So there, there's really mostly just the two that I can think of. One is Old Lang Syne. Um, and believe it or not, there are actually some really beautiful covers of that song out there. And then uh, What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? is uh is is a really great song i i I really enjoy that one all right well i i mean i knew i always forget the name of it but it's all lang syne yeah yeah i that's the only one i knew of yeah but all right the great thing about almost every christmas song is that if you look hard enough you can probably find four or five good versions of the different ones and like i said some of them are, represent different moods and so if you want a really celebratory end of the year song you probably can find you know a, a party version of of old lang syne but if you want one that feels reflective and uh, and you know gets you you want to sit down with a drink in your hand and think about how the year's gone then you can do that too or you could just listen to good music and not have to sort through all of these different versions to find the one not crappy version of this music. Well, there's people like me out there to help you find those. Well, and hopefully we'll get together a podcast. We'll post it on the uh, social media pages and everything, which again, you can find me on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula, uh, Instagram and Twitter at R.A. Lula or on the website, RobbieLulaRadio.com. We're going to call it a day there. Raj, thank you for your musical expertise, even if you're just horribly wrong about all Christmas music. Um, but we'll we'll get the playlist out there that you put together to, to see if to see if maybe you can sway some of the Grinches like me out there. <laughs> well, have a Merry Christmas regardless. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you soon. All right.